The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Back from technical difficulties, it's another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel, and I'm here with Mike, and we're going to discuss the week that was in All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. And uh, this week, that means beach break. Uh, Before we get into talking about the action, Mike... How are you doing? Ah, I've been, been better, but, uh, you know, we, we talked a lot about my Mavericks a few weeks ago and man, we have lost like six of our last seven and we gave up 147 points to the Warriors last night. The, the most ever <laughs> for, and it was in regulation too. It was in regulation. So. I tried to warn you that you might not really want Kristaps <laughs> Porzingis on your team. Uh, tried to I, warn you, but you didn't I don't, listen. It's it's not the Porzingis part that I think is the the big issue right now. It's it's the culmination of everything. You know, we don't have to go into the NBA talk here, but we can we can do that offline. But uh, you know, they got Luca. They'll figure it out. But yeah, it's been a rough rough ten ten days for. Mavericks basketball so hopefully in two or three weeks I can talk about how they've won 10 of their last 12 but we'll see doesn't I'm not too optimistic about that but uh, I did beat a new video game this week Joel so I feel like I can contribute to video game corner Uh, I beat the pathless on ps5 and it's totally it was totally different from anything I ever played like there wasn't really any combat except for the boss fights and it was so it was really just open world exploring looking you know following the lore storytelling and stuff like that but it was just it's beautiful uh really great graphics seamless like transitions in the game so highly recommend super fun probably an eight out of ten stars so uh yeah it's fun i haven't knocked out a game in a while i haven't knocked out a game since christmas break so to be able to and like I beat it in like seven hours, but I only have like 50% of the stuff because there's so much more that I could have explored, like so much more, more things. So, yeah, I enjoyed how you uh, solicited for my advice on like video games to play and then just completely ignored the, the suggestions <laughs> that I made. Well, I, I, I didn't. So I thought I was going to have to spend a little more time, uh, away from my apartment. So I was like, Oh, I'll play the switch. But I ended up being here a little more than I thought. And I have it on the PlayStation five, got it for Christmas. So I was like, I might as well play this before I buy a new game. So, uh, I'll play, I'll play Hades eventually, but I'm just, it's, it might be in, uh, Hades two is years. not a game to wait on. Like Hades is a get it and play it right now because like <laughs> everyone else is playing it and you have the opportunity to be a part of of that. Like if you wait on it, you're going to want to talk about it and everyone else is going to be done with it. I mean, it's technically been out since like September, right? So when are the time to play it back be back then? Well, I mean, it's continued to kind of grow in popularity and, and get more people into it. So um all right, I solemnly swear I will download it in the next five years. Well, no, I that's promise. yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Should we doing, talk dude? wrestling? Yeah, we can we can talk wrestling. I want to check in on you though. How, how, how have you been? You're looking pretty fierce with that beard. <laughs> you look like uh, the uh, you look like the the wedding guy from this week's episode of uh, Dynamite. Yeah, you not so much. I am not the stylized your facial hair. <laughs> um, 
but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I, uh, I'm just kind of still doing all of the same things. Um, I've been watching an outrageous amount of Criminal Minds. Uh, I started watching it again. I'd watched like the first four or five seasons before, um, but there's 15 seasons. Jesus so, Christ. Um, yeah, so I started from the beginning back in like December, I think. And I just started the 10th season this morning. Uh, and this is like old school style. So it's like 22 to 26 episodes per season. None of this modern 10 episode season bullshit. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, just an absurd amount. But like I'm watching it while I'm working out. I'm watching it um, while I'm, you know, catching up on emails and stuff. Because it doesn't require my full attention. Yeah. But it's... um. It's interesting to revisit and when you're kind of casually watching something and not paying super close attention, you don't know like what year each episode came out in. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of funny to think about like, oh, they're talking about this thing that happened 10 years ago. This episode must have come out around then. Like what were the, the hot topics that broke into mainstream television? And for a show that started in, in 2005 and I think is still on, it's still on, I believe. Yeah, um, it's it's kind of interesting just to see like what was in the CBS zeitgeist at the time. Oh, so. it technically ended last spring. Was its last oh, okay. episode? So perfect. Yeah. So I I have like six seasons to go, and then I can you know be completely and utterly done with it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's amazing some of these like criminal shows that can last, like the Law and Orders and Criminal Minds, like. 15 seasons with 300 and plus episodes is a lot of fucking TV. Like, like that's a lot of ideas to be made. And, you know, well, the thing is every episode is basically the same, right? It's a police procedural. So, you know, that in the beginning, you're going to be introduced to the crime that took place. And then the team members are going to do their various things in order to progress towards solving the crime, little details, and then they're going to settle on who they think it is. And then something's going to change. And, you know, now they know it's actually somebody else or there was a partner they didn't know about or, you know, whatever. So, it, you know, it's very formulaic. It's not like high art or anything, but it is <laughs> impressive just to have that kind of staying power. True, true. It's not it's not 52 episodes a year of Monday Night Raw, you know, high art. So. All right, man, you ready to dump d- dive into the week that was? The dynamite that was. All right. And dynamite kicked off with the tag team battle Royal, where the winners would face the young bucks for the AEW tag team championships at revolution. Uh, The match was won by the team of Chris Jericho and MJF who had to eliminate one of their own in Sammy Guevara to win the match. After this, we were treated to a vignette of Jade Cargill doing various training exercises and looking totally badass. This was followed by Darby Allen and Sting cutting a promo on Team Taz and Team Taz cutting a promo right back. Next up, we got the long-awaited match between Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Thunder Rosa. Britt Baker getting the win with an assist from Rebel in what was an excellent match that we'll be talking about more later on. After this, we got a tag team match between the team of Matt Hardy and Adam Page taking on Chaos Project. In 
continuing the storyline of Matt Hardy quasi-recruiting Adam Page. And predictably, they got the victory in this match. Backstage, we were treated to some unrest within the inner circle, with Sammy Guevara confronting Chris Jericho and MJF, who were insisting that we, the inner circle, won, where Sammy pointed out that no, you two won, you two always win, and we need to be supported also. After this, we got the wedding of Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian featuring the Sinister Minister and uh, Miro and of course the butler Charles Taylor the wedding went predictably awful with the bride ending up in the cake and Orange Cassidy jumping out of the cake after the fact to assist Charles Taylor with the beatdown of Kip Sabian while Miro was cuffed to the ring post Next up, Shaq on Inside the NBA responded to Cody Rhodes and indicated that he is interested in having a match and showing off some of his moves that he would be using in said match. Next up was the rematch of Eddie Kingston versus Lance Archer in a lumberjack match where Lance Archer got the upper hand, got the victory, and they are now tied at one win apiece. Backstage, FTR issued threats to Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy and showed off the desperate measures that they were willing to take by abducting one Marco Stunt. Next up, we got a backstage promo featuring Joey Janela talking about his upcoming match with Darby Allin for the TNT Championship. And Joey Janela announced that he is back. Finally, we came to the main event, Bullet Club versus Mox and Friends. Team of Luke Gap, sorry, Doc Gallows, Carl Anderson, <laughs> and Kenny Omega taking on John Moxley, Pack, and Phoenix. Bullet Club got the victory, and after the match, Kenta made his presence known in AEW. And that was the week of Dynamite. Stock up. Holy crap, Joel. Kenta debuted in AEW, rocking some pink purplish hair, rocking that awesome Orlando Bullet Club shirt. And I unfortunately had this spoiled for me. But Joel, in the moment, how did you feel seeing the reveal that Kenta was here in an AEW ring? I mean, I lost my shit. This was (laughs) totally unexpected. And uh it's kind of confirmation of of what we've been saying for a while that there is more collaboration going on between these brands than just Impact and AEW. And I think that in a lot of ways, the common thread through all of this is Don Callis, both on the storyline side of things and also in the business side of things, because he initiated the uh, whole Chris Jericho to New Japan thing that kind of started everything in a lot of ways you could say that it led to the version of aew that we got tony khan would tell you that aew was going to happen uh but the fact that the aew that we got is is what we have it is largely i think due to don Callis and his involvement so uh, i think it's great storytelling and there's good meta storytelling going on here um 
And frankly, I'm just excited to see him. Dude hits hard. He's really compelling. And uh, he's been a part of some matches that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, Not to mention that it makes sense. He has beef with Moxley over the IWGP United States Championship. So uh, this is a really good move forward. And uh, to coin a phrase, I'm excited to see where it goes. (laughs) Yeah, man. With the, you know, when AEW was using the phrase Bullet Club a few weeks ago, it kind of kind of got my radar going off because if they if NJPW is really upset about the Bullet Club thing, they would not be using the term Bullet Club because they would have said cease and desist and can't use this. So I had a feeling something like this was going to happen, and it's it's just awesome. We we have the what the second biggest promotion in the world now potentially partnered with AEW <clears throat> the amount of talent that we've, that we know NJPW has. And I was doing a little reading on this and I guess uh, a lot of NJPW stars, you know, live here in the States. Kent is in Orlando, which makes it easier for them to show up and do these type of things. So if it allows them to push this Moxley, IW, and if you notice the advertisement for next week, cause it's Kenny Omega and Kenta versus, Who's teaming with Moxley in that match? Um, I can't remember. Do you remember who's teaming with uh, I Moxley don't next week? From, from looking, oh, it's Lance Archer. Lance Archer, yeah. Um, in the graphic they posted, it's the first time they've acknowledged, like in a not just you know IWGP champion John Moxley, like he's holding the belt up in the 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 promo they posted for it. So. They're actually recognizing the title. I wouldn't be surprised if that match with Kenta takes place at an AEW event here over the next few months. Um, could involve maybe Archer going back to Japan or Omega. I know there's Omega and Kota Ibushi have wanted to do a match forever. And having those two as IWGP champion versus the AEW champion would just be money. It just opens the door up for huge possibilities here. And I've always loved Kenta. He didn't really get, he had a rough, rough luck here in the States. It was just injury after injury, basically. Right. And NXT, like, yeah, absolutely. He just like, it was just bad timing, bad timing. But when he was healthy, the dude was outstanding. And I, I follow NJPW from afar now. I don't really, you know, sometimes I'll watch the pay-per-views with you, but I mainly follow it through Twitter and everything like that. And when Kenta showed up, to become part of the bullet club. I was like, Holy shit, this is going to be awesome. So just, just awesome stuff, man. I, I can't, I can't wait to see what other talents are going to pop up here and there or, you know, cause the impact agreement seemed to be like, ah, maybe we'll be a one shot. And the impact agreement is continuing to grow. So if AEW and JPW can follow that, I think we're going to have a really fun few months here. Well, I think something that's, you know, interesting going forward. And and I'm kind of beating a dead horse here, but Don Callis really doesn't like the leaks. Um, but I think he also knows that they're going to happen. And so I, I imagine he's probably feeding false information to people because he wants things to be a surprise. You know, that's a mm-hmm. big part of, you know, his wrestling philosophy that he outlined on old episodes of killing the town. So, you know, I think there's a lot 
that could happen here. And I don't think we're going to get indication from the dirt sheets about what specifically it's going to be. Because like you said, initially it was reported, oh, this is just going to be a one-time thing. It's not part of an ongoing storyline. And now here we are, and it's been every week that we've had some Mm -hmm. kind of forward momentum involving Don Callis, involving the Good Brothers, involving this uh, budding rivalry between the two brands. Yeah, so, and man, like, AW's good at not letting things leak. I really... Yeah, they run a tight ship. Yeah, we knew Matt Hardy would eventually show up. We knew Brody Lee was potentially going to join, but, like, we never knew when their debuts were going to happen. We didn't know Archer was going to show up. We didn't know Cage was going to show up. Thunder Rosa was a complete surprise when she had her first uh, vignette here in AW. So uh, it's it's fun to be surprised again. Like, I know you used to uh, not read any of the dirt sheets. And, like, I would have to avoid telling you spoilers and stuff like that. Like, I remember when, uh, was it Swerve Scott signed with NXT? Like, Two years ago, I wanted to tell you so bad, but I was like, oh, I gotta. And then he didn't debut for like six months. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> so, um, you know, so I, I appreciate the fact that we can still be surprised and nothing really. I can't remember a major spoiler that we've uh, found out ahead of time. So good on ADW, good on Don Callis. And real quick, that 16 six man tag was an awesome main event. That was super fun. Um, I, I I think it just reminds me of how badly the other wrestling company screwed up with Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson because those two guys are exceptional, just phenomenal wrestlers. And I, I get I don't, has Gallows is he in even better shape than when he was like a year and a half ago? Like he looks huge. Yeah, he's in really good shape, and I I, I think part of what made this match so compelling is that you had six guys in the match who could legitimately hold the world title. Mm-hmm. You know, the, any one of them can do it on the mic. Any one of them can do it in the ring and they're really compelling and charismatic characters. So, you know, when you have that kind of situation, they're all competing to have these moments, these spots in the match that make you stop and go, wow, wow, You know, I haven't seen that done exactly like that before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, right now, this is the biggest angle in in my mind in all of pro wrestling, because we all want to see how much is going to come out of this. Is this going to be a change, a sea change in pro wrestling as to what is possible and what level of collaboration is going on between these companies? Because truly... The ratings for these companies are going up. The ratings for the other wrestling company are going down. And it's it's not going to be long here before there's a new king in town. Yeah, no. Uh, AEW's ratings this week were incredible again. Kicking ass in that important demographic here. And, you know, NJD, NJPW had really uh, ambitious expansion plans in the United States before the pandemic the pandemic really hurt what they wanted to do here. Um, and it seems like a partnership with AEW is a great way to get their brands, their wrestlers, even more exposure over here. And if this somehow leads us to seeing some Jay White in AEW too, I'm going to be all for that. Well, he's, so, he's signed with WWE. 
No, no, it, it's come out that he actually signed a might have might have signed an extension with NJPW instead. Oh, so I actually well, don't right. think he is WWE bound, which is great because I didn't want to see him in the system. Um, he would not have done well there. No, they would not have understood what to do with him. Yeah, no. Uh, random question before we move on, Joel. Which a- NJPW wrestler do you want to see in an AEW match the most? Out well, of anyone on their roster. It's Jay Kota White. Ibushi. Oh, Kota Ibushi. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, if you take Kota Ibushi off the table, because I think that's the obvious one, there are two other names that immediately leap to mind for me. And that's Minoru Suzuki, mm-hmm. because... He's like the most terrifying man in all of her wrestling. <laughs> and the yep. other one is uh, Toru Yano. Oh. I would love to see Yano and Orange Cassidy in <laughs> just a 100% gimmick, full comedy wrestling <laughs> match. Or, you know, maybe make it a triple threat and get Colt Cabana in there. Have the three of them put together the funniest match in pro wrestling history because they could do it. I mean, it, it's all there. So those are those are my top three. <laughs> and I know it's probably a wild top three in, in the minds of a lot of people. But, you know, I mean, obviously there's your Sonatas, there's your Evils, there's, you mm-hmm. know, uh, Hiromu. There's so many Naito. amazing wrestlers on that roster. But for the different flavors that they bring, those are the three that come to mind for me. Yeah, <laughs> my favorite meme the other night when... Uh... Then JPW stuff happened was Moxley's going to have nightmares now because Toriyanu can show up at AEW at any moment <laughs> <laughs> from when he beat him at the uh, the G1. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was um, that was his first loss in the G1 also, wasn't it? Yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I think he only lost twice in the entire G, uh, the group, group round, I think. Yeah, I think, I'm going to throw was... out one more name uh, because it just... Uh, came to mind for me and that's Tomohiro Ishii. Damn it, he stole mine. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see him butt heads with like a Miro or the Butcher and just see if the ring breaks. Like that's what Well, I you know see. he's like tiny, right? I know, but he's a bowling ball. Like Yeah, he's like, like a 5 foot 7 bowling ball. Like, yeah, he, like a just a bowling ball of chaos and that's what I want. Like I want to <laughs> see him just fly around the ring and like I, I wasn't talking about breaking the ring out, out of sheer weight. I was just talking about f- like pure energy and impact. I think it would break. It's funny neither of us mentioned Okada. So, uh, you know, I mean, we're going to we're in dangerously close territory to just the whole episode becoming a discussion of NJPW. <laughs> um, so I, I think we should probably move on. But, Fine. you know, Okada doesn't excite me. It, it's not, you know, he's great. He's amazing. He's one of the best wrestlers of all time. But I just I don't get super jazzed for okada unless he's going up against the right opponent it's all about the opponent for me with okada like omega so all right joel let's move on to what i thought should have had a main event slot here but thunder rosa Britt baker put on a fantastic match just really highlighted what these two women bring to the table uh the ending left it open for this feud to continue I feel like this is a definite like semi-final match of the Eliminator tournament. If they want to bring storyline into it, those two women will could tear it down again. So, Joel, what were your thoughts on uh, Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa here? And where do you see this story, this feud going? 
I mean, this was a technical spectacle. There was so much to look at here with the different spots that they hit, the transitions. Everything was so clean. Great counter wrestling on display. Mm -hmm. And I think my big takeaway is the development of Britt Baker. I, I knew that Thunder Rosa could have a match like this. I didn't mm-hmm. know for certain that Britt Baker could just because I hadn't seen it before seen flashes of it. And she's a very, very good wrestler, but this was a level. I don't think I had seen her reach previously. And it's awesome that they were able to have this match in terms of what's next. I definitely don't see this as being over, uh, especially given the clear and obvious chemistry that these two have in the ring. We need to see this match again, and we need to see it in a situation that has some stakes. Uh, I'm not sure what that needs to be, but, you know, come up with some reason, something on the line to make it have more impact. And I, I want to see these two definitely in a high profile match, hopefully at a pay-per-view where they can go, you know, 17 to 25 minutes Mm -hmm. and just really tell an amazing story in the ring. Uh, I loved everything about this. And I thought this was the match of the night. Yeah, it, it, it was fantastic. And I I think for me, the biggest thing to take from this whole story, this whole feud is that we had a viable, non, a a viable storyline that didn't involve the title in the women's division. It's something that even WWE struggles to do consistently is give us something without the belt on the line. And this feud has been going on for a while now. Going back to November, December is when it kind of started. So for them to pull this off, I think is a really good sign for the division as a whole. And also, I think you clearly have two main event players now, Indrit Baker and Thunder Rosa, and they were treated as such. You know, this match got a lot of time. This wasn't our typical AEW, you know, dynamite women's card match. Like it was... it got the time it needed. It got the focus it needed. And I know the crowd is, is smaller, but the crowd seemed into it, which is important. Um, so I, I think this sets us up good. Good sets us up good sets up as well. Whatever sets us up well moving forward uh, with the women's division. And yeah, the, their next match needs to have stakes. It seems like the eliminator is the perfect way to do it, um, especially because they are both on the American side of the bracket. Uh you could have Thunder Rosa take that win and then have the, the rubber match somewhere down the line, but this should not be over. Uh, it, it doesn't feel over my mind. And and the match was fantastic that the transition in the middle there where they kept reversing the, the lockjaw into pin attempts back into the lockjaw into another pin attempt. Um, I don't think Britt Baker pulls that off eight months ago, nine months ago. Um, maybe it's the partner she was with that, that, helped make those transitions but i think you're right the development of Britt baker since AEW started is is i think one of the high points and we've talked about in the men's division that we've had that the kind of young stars that they showed us at the beginning of the company take those big ascents i think Britt baker is the the woman who's done that as well yeah i think the the development of talent has been a theme throughout AEW, and i'm impressed with how quickly they bring people along like it's Mm -hmm. usually people develop gradually. They get better over time. And then all of a sudden you notice like, Oh wow, this person is just really, really amazing. And then in AEW, it it feels like from week to week, people are improving and it's, 
you know, we saw that match between Britt Baker and Shanna, which was really good and showed some really nice technical wrestling. But then this was on an, another level from that. This was a level up from that. And it's just a week later. So, you know, this is happening in real time and it's very, very impressive. I think they I think they have a better grasp on how to develop people than to bring in someone who may be, you know, higher up on the card to start. Like we've talked about the start uh, start and goes of Archer. Um, uh, fuck. Um, Brody Brian Lee, Cage. Brian Cage, you know, but these ones who they truly spent the time to develop private party, MJF, Sammy Guevara, Jungle Boy, Britt Baker. There hasn't really been that stop on their upward trajectory other than maybe injuries, which we can't control. Um, so yeah, pro- props to them. What a fun match. And I loved, uh, I think this was the best. I think Rose's face paint has looked in AEW. Like it didn't smear really at all until the very end of the match. And it was just really cool to see it when they're zoomed out doing the full ring view. And you see that kind of skeleton face looking back at you. I, I just thought like that looked cool too. So. Yeah, I agree. I think the level of detail on the face paint that she did for for this match was definitely on another level also. And I mean, she definitely does that. You know, she's got the big mm-hmm. the big game face paint, if you will. Yeah. And uh, and thank I, God the rumors of her leaving or going to NXT WWE didn't prove to be true because she's she's exactly what the division needed three months ago. <laughs> so Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, Joel, anything else before we move on to... <laughs> A w a wrestling wedding, my favorite. Let's talk trope about. Ever. Let's talk about um, Charles's big day, because because uh, <laughs> this was Charles's big day. This was his moment. He made it happen. So, uh, what what was your favorite thing that went wrong? Because you know um, that's the thing. A wrestling wedding is all about what goes wrong. Yeah. Uh, so, what what was it for you? I can't, I just love the subtlety of Miro being chained to the apron. Like it was such a cool reveal for you to be like, wait, what, what's going on? Like they could have done what you've seen in, in wrestling before the beat down, then handcuffed him. But for someone to just sleight of hand handcuff him to the, the apron like that, like who did that? Like, we still don't really know because. There wasn't a shot of it. Was is Trent there? Like I thought that was really cool. And then the reactions of Miro being trapped in the corner and basically forced to watch all of this go down. Um, I thought was a really good take of it because the focus, you know, the main heel in this really is Miro, and he kept describing it as his wedding. <laughs> so yeah. for for his wedding to be ruined like that, I think was I think how they did that was very very cool. And of course, hitting that someone had to eat cake. It has to happen. So. Yeah, I, I thought uh, Penelope Ford did a really good job of looking sad, like, mm-hmm. and, you know, just really conveying that her her moment was ruined. Um, in terms of the, the handcuffing spot, I think Charles did it. I think that was a Chucky e. T because uh, he planned the whole thing of like having the big box that was quote unquote empty. Mm-hmm. I think that's where the cuffs were. The cuffs were in the box. Mm-hmm. And he so planned clean it up. on Miro like, smashing it and you know when he was told go outside and clean that up is when he went out and and cuffed miro to the the turnbuckle 
and uh, then everything else went down. I loved the moment of Orange Cassidy just kind of casually popping up <laughs> out of the cake. Because um, at that point, I wasn't expecting anything to come out of the cake because we'd already seen Penelope Ford, you know, face plant into yeah. the cake. So, um, you know, this was, it was really fun. I, I felt like it could have been paced a little bit better. Um, it was a little bit slow for me, but uh, in the end, we got to where we needed to be and did so in a really fun way. And uh, I think that if Kip and Penelope are mad at anyone, they should be mad at Miro. That was yeah. all his fault. Yep. And yeah, there were a few camera stuff too. Like some of the, like the initial beat down was hard to see. I think with the, the, like kind of the, the setup they had in the ring, but yeah, I, I, I love that. I love that they use <laughs> WWE story as Canon, like Miro saying, I've had these weddings before. I know exactly what's going to happen. Like, cause he had his wedding with Lana and then, uh, the wedding that Lana had with Bobby Lashley, like he's, he's experienced in wrestling weddings. So I like that. They kind of use that. And, um, it, it felt like, like a little bit, cause we know the tropes, we know what's going to happen. So it kind of felt like a little genre deconstruction there from them, like breaking the fourth wall, acknowledging bad things happen at wrestling weddings. And, uh, also just really funny that, uh, <laughs> Kip said he knew he was in love with her when he first stared at her breasts. <laughs> like, what a what a Kip Sabian thing to say. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, Kip Kip really carried a lot of weight in in the the ceremony portion of that segment because his reactions to when the sinister minister was mm-hmm. like saying off putting things <laughs> was like, wait, what? And I I really liked the the look on his face and his reactions to those things. I thought that was a fun aspect of the segment. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, this was a this was a fun one. Yeah, it it was good. It was good. So, um, yeah. Any anything else about this wedding, Joel, before we move over to lightning round? No, I think we hit it. And I think I got the drop fix. So let's go. Lightning round. All right, Joel, uh, how about you start? What's something you want to talk about in lightning round today? So we got the the reveal of who the participants are going to be in this women's eliminator tournament. And mm-hmm. there's going to be two brackets, a Japanese bracket and a U.S. bracket. So the Japanese bracket includes Asia Kong, Yuka Sakazaki, Veni, Emi Sakura, Ryo Mizunami, Mesuruga, Rin, Katakura, and Maki Ito. Uh, the U.S. side is Serena Deeb, Riho, Britt Baker, Ty Conti, Thunder Rosa, Nyla Rose, Anna Jay, and Layla Hirsch. So, um, A, really excited. Really, really mm-hmm. excited. Uh, and then my second reaction was, where's Big Swole? Why oh. is you, you got 16 spots and you can't find anywhere to put Big Swole? Like, are you kidding me? Uh, you know. Yeah. She's someone hmm. who I just don't think has gotten enough attention in the women's division. And I I don't know what the deal is there because this makes perfect sense. Even if she's not going to win a match, she should at least be yeah. in this tournament. And I get there's a lot of talent. And, you know, with Riho being back and returning, uh, that's a spot that maybe could have gone to uh, 
Big Swole had had Riho not been available. But I don't understand why you couldn't have had Riho on the Japanese side of the bracket and, you know, take one of those individuals yeah. out. Especially, I mean, I know like Asia Kong is a legend, but she also can't really move very well anymore. Yeah. So I don't know like how much value there is in having her in this tournament. And someone like Swole, who is going to be a part of the future of this company, I just feel like she kind of got done dirty by this. Yeah, I, I think it might be what we were talking about off off air about how potentially the Japanese side of the bracket is happening in Japan. So I wonder if they faced a numbers crunch here and they were able to get because they've been advertising Rio for a while. So I wonder if Rio was able to come back to the United States um, and then basically they will use the duration of the tournament to get whoever wins that side of the bracket over here for the final because that that's the only reason this makes sense because yeah you're right like Asia Kong hasn't been on a dynamite show since maybe all out 2019 like hasn't really been on TV um n- like prior to the pandemic and you know some of these names I I don't recognize but I know you know Maki Ito is a big deal um it's going to be great to have Emi Sakura back but yeah you're right it it feels weird that someone who's been here been on TV you know, someone throughout that Britt Baker feud last summer, we talked about it as a future top star in the women's division. So, yeah, that and 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 like I'm looking at the American side of the bracket. I feel like it's really hard to find someone to take out. Like maybe Layla Hirsch. You know, Layla Hirsch is awesome, but that's probably the name I would remove for for um, Big Swall. I mean, I would throw out that you don't necessarily need both Ty Conti and Anna Jay since they're kind of a package deal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's ways you could make it happen. The other thing is like her, where's her momentum been in general since she had her, her house of horrors match, the the dentist's office match with Britt Baker. She hasn't really done much since then. And she had so much momentum from that feud. And then she wins that match and then disappears. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I'm wondering if maybe there's some injury or health issue that we don't know about, like not to speculate, but you know, we listened to her on AEW unrestricted and, you know, they talked about a lot of the health issues that she's had throughout her career, you know, especially with the Crohn's disease and stuff like that. So maybe there's something we just don't know, which is why she hasn't been used as much, but yeah, I definitely feel like that's a major absence from, from the tournament. Um, Well, I guess I'll I'll take the angle of, I hope that she's, okay um Mm -hmm. and i am very excited about this tournament so all of that aside there's some amazing talent in here getting yuka sakazaki back on aew television will be great i'm assuming that even if these matches are taking place in japan that they'll be aired on aew programming um Mm -hmm. and then uh mesa ruga is someone who's really good who we've seen before maki ito as you said is a big deal and I'm excited to be introduced to some new talent. I don't know uh, three of these performers really at all. So uh, Veni, Ryo Mizunami, and Rin Katakura. Looking forward to learning who they are and how they wrestle. Yeah, the thing I, I, I was on Twitter the other night when this was announced, and Maki Itsu just tweeted, hello, motherfuckers, hashtag AEW with the, the tournament bracket. So I, she might already be my favorite just from from that tweet alone. Um, 
my 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 item on lightning round, Joel, is I think it's really smart that Shaq, Cargill, Cody, Red Velvet is not on Revolution. Um, I thought it would be, but after thinking about it, if you want casual viewers to come see Shaq wrestle, you have to put it on for on cable. Like you're that's how you're gonna get the biggest benefit of Shaq wrestling. So it is the I think it's the dynamite after uh revolution, I believe. Um so excited for that. That Cardgill promo video vignette tonight was outstanding. And they made her look like a million bucks. And she might be one of the pillars of the women's division here in the next six to eight months. So really excited for that. Yeah, I mean, sight unseen, we don't know what her ability is in the ring. You know, she's definitely an athlete. You know, she played, I think, in the WNBA. Um, so she's someone who has legit athletic pedigree. How is that going to translate into the ring? We'll find out. Um, I think as a character, she's got it down. Uh, she really represents that character well. And she's also someone who... Um, does like cosplay and stuff so i wouldn't be surprised to see her come out especially given that her logo they had a little lightning effect i wouldn't be surprised to see her come out as storm from the x-men because i know Mm. that's something that she's done before so um a lot of opportunity here and i agree i think this makes a lot more sense to be on tnt considering it's Mm -hmm. a tnt crossover of two of their products so why would they be motivated to put this somewhere on pay-per-view where fewer eyeballs are going to see it. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this one. You got something else for me in lightning round, dude? Honestly, no, th- this was a really solid show, but I think between our stock up segments and the women's eliminator, those are the things that I really wanted to talk about. Yeah. I, I got two things real quick. Um, yeah. The, the Jericho MJF winning the battle Royal was kind of a, a letdown because we only get four of these pay-per-views a year and having someone like Jericho in that, in that tag match that has the young bucks and MJF in it is just going to slow down and kill the momentum every time he tags in. So a little disappointed there. Uh, but I was intrigued by MJF saying, we, Hey guys, we need to talk when Sammy Guevara left the room. Once again, just want this to be the Sammy show. Get him out of the inner circle. Let him cook. And then my second thing is, I know Matt Seidel wasn't on on Dynamite this week, but with all the news about Jewish space lasers, he should definitely change his shooting star breast because he is Jewish. He should change his shooting star breast to the Jewish space laser as his, and make that his finishing move. <sighs> I don't think we need to get Marjorie Taylor Greene any more <laughs> press than she's already getting. Um, oh, she sucks. <laughs> but... Um, actually I did have, I did have one more thing. Um, uh, oh fuck. Uh, top flight member that I texted you about. I'm Darius his name. He looked awesome in that battle Royal and they gave him the hero spot in that match. Like he, he was in the final six looked great. Just really, really excited for what top flight's potential is long-term because he looked like he looked like he belonged. And I think that's a big thing when you're in a ring with the likes of MJF, Jericho, Jungle Boy. Like you have to look and feel the part. And I think he met up, uh, measured up. So one of my big takeaways on the night. Absolutely. I think there was a lot of good stuff from that match. And uh, I really enjoyed the uh, private party elimination 
where mm-hmm. they were going for the silly string. And uh, I think it was Dante Martin uh, smacked their hands. So they lost mm-hmm. their grip on the ropes and uh, sent one of them careening to the outside. Uh, really clever and creative counter uh, to a move that's so predictable. It should get countered yeah. most of the time. All the time. Yeah. So uh, I love that. And I thought there were some really fun spots in this match. I'm just disappointed in yeah. Jericho and MJF uh, winning because I just, I'm not interested in, I'm not interested in them winning the titles. And I just don't think that match is going to be as good as basically any other team winning and facing off with the young bucks. I think Sammy and Hager would be a better match than Jericho MJF. Yeah, I agree with that. Infinitely. Yeah. I actually had one more thing. I lied. Um, Oh my gosh. I know, I know, I know. I really liked the dark turn of the FTR promo. Like sometimes you have to think of what bad guys would do. And then Marco's stunt is like handcuffed to a chair. Um, yeah, it's I, cool. But, Just casually committing a felony on national yeah, television. Yeah, it's no, cool. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's like half a person, so it's fine. Um, but A, a I, like, I like the dark tone of it. And, and B, uh, another storyline and division that, doesn't have the titles involved. So I'm a sucker for storylines like that. And if they're done well, they really beef up the quality of your product. So another good thing there, hopefully we get the blow off between those two teams here soon. So guys, Oh, did you have anything to say about that before I do our outro stuff? No, get us out of here. All right, guys, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the other wrestling show. (laughs) Someone just slipped on the ice through my window. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sorry um you can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com you can follow us at ows underscore pod on twitter me at michael underscore aranda joel at the other joel and you can follow us on itunes spotify it's apple Podcasts now not itunes so i don't know how long i've been saying that wrong but apple Podcasts. find us wherever you subscribe um and yeah joel anything else before I edit this podcast since it's uh, Friday it's and I'm not working. Time. It's a great time to join the Bullet Club. Too sweet. <laughs> Bye, guys. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.